Welcome back to Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm Rhonda Blevins, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And I'm David Brown, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of the Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina. So Rhonda, how does it feel to launch season four of Pastor Life? It feels great. I mean, when you and I started this conversation, we thought, well, we'll give it a go. A few, you know, we'll do a few sessions, see how it goes. Who would have thought we'd be at season four now? I know. I guess that means it's gone pretty well, right? I guess so. I guess so. And we have a few kind of regular listeners and occasional folks that drop in. And I'm excited about this season as well. Yeah, this season I think is going to be great. We're really spotlighting some of our Pinnacle colleagues and inviting them to teach us something we don't know. And there are a lot of things, Rhonda, that we don't know. (laughs) A lot of things we don't know. And we have some amazing Pinnacle colleagues. Every time I'm with our group, I learn something, I glean something, I gain something. And so uh, what, what a great opportunity to highlight them, to kind of platform our colleagues and let the world see what amazing people we have on our Pinnacle Leadership Associates team. Absolutely. And it's, it's really such a great group of people that have a variety of ministry backgrounds and lots of experience in coaching, consulting, and training. I think they're going to be a great resource to not only you and me who get to carry on these conversations, but hopefully to our listeners. And, and today we welcome to Pastor Life Podcast, our friend and one of Pinnacle's newest associates, uh, the Reverend Dr. Beth Yarborough. Beth is an ordained minister with the Presbyterian Church USA. She has served several churches in Tennessee, Virginia, North Carolina. And she's recently retired from a church in South Carolina, Williston, South Carolina, in fact. And she is shifting her professional energies and vocational energies toward coaching and consulting with Pinnacle. Uh, She's coming alongside clergy just like you and me, Rhonda. Yeah, how awesome is that? That's kind of what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah, I think we uh, maybe we all want to be a little little bit like Beth when we grow up, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, with this episode, we're launching season four, and we're asking Reverend Dr. Yarbrough to teach us something we don't know. I think she's going to help us clergy think about doing the work of self-care so that we can kind of stay in the game for the long haul like she's done. And I think there's probably some specific ways that we need to think about self-care in this COVID or post-COVID. I'm not really sure what we can call it yet, uh, Mm -hmm. environment. Yeah. So let's welcome to the pod, Reverend Dr. Beth Yarborough. I'm so glad to be here. We are so glad to have you, Beth. Um, Yeah, welcome. Is there anything you would add to our little introduction? Anything else you would want people to know about you, uh, your your life, ministry, etc.? I think you covered it pretty well. You did a good job. Well, thanks. (laughs) I I know there's more to you than what we offered. Um, Maybe some of that will come out throughout the rest of the pod. So Beth, welcome to the pod. This is the first episode of season four, and we're inviting our guests to teach us something we don't know. So what is it, Beth? What is it we don't know that you can teach us today? I imagine this isn't a totally new subject to you, but there's a little bit of a twist 
I'd like to add. And um, just to give you a little bit of a background, um, normal stress is something that we all deal with. Work, family, finances, health, relationships. But then you add in maybe an illness in a family member or caring for elderly parents or a death, a bankruptcy. And then on top of that, we have a pandemic, which lasted not a month, but two years. Right. We just celebrated the second anniversary of a pandemic, which I think is <laughs> celebrated totally... is an odd choice of words, but okay, <laughs> we'll go with that. Sure <laughs> we should have a pandemic party. <laughs> but if you are familiar with um, the Holmes Rahe stress scale, anything over 300 points is about a, a deal-breaking mental health crisis for most people. Well, I just did a quick tally this morning and I have 264 points. And right. so that is pressing in. Now, I don't have children to raise. Um, you know, there are a lot of things I don't have to worry about. I'm retired right now. I'm not having to worry about work, but I'm still ranking up there close to 300. So when we get to that, we know that we're gonna have some sort of physical issues um, or headache or some other thing. Well, I have read in a number of articles, which I have been so in, interested in, um, about this thing called malaise and personal languishing. Oh. Have either of you heard of that in the terms of stress? You know, I don't, think I have and I'm trying to remember back to that scale um, that you're talking about I remember like death of a spouse death of a loved one moving mm -hmm. job change um, are, are some of the top stressors right is that mm -hmm. the scale right that talking about okay. right uh-huh yeah yeah and but, you know, malaise, and what's the other word malaise and languishing languishing okay languishing um we have I've read several articles, um, one in the New York Times that I was just really interested in. Um, this guy, Adam Grant, says that this sense of languishing is the middle child of mental health. It's the void in between depression and flourishing. It's the absence of well-being. Wow. So we probably all experienced depression on some level, and we've probably all experienced flourishing, at least I hope we have. But in the middle there is this thing that psychologists relate, refer to as languishing. And most of the time is driven by grief. And the grief that we are suffering related to the pandemic, among other things, but one of the things that we're suffering related to grief is a loss of normalcy. Yeah, that completely makes sense. And, and for that to be a common stressor that has been added on top of all the other stressors that every mm -hmm. one of us has mm -hmm. in life. Mm -hmm. And then we all have added on top of that, the stressors of the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So are you saying and, that? Oh, oh, go ahead. Are you saying that like on, if there's a spectrum of mental well-being or mental health, mm -hmm. so on one end you have, you know, depression um, and other like diagnosable mental health issues. Mm -hmm. um, and I've mentioned on this podcast before that I have experienced that, right? Um, mm -hmm. I, and I have kind of a mild chronic depression that 
right now I'm managing really well. So yay. Good, um, good. Depression on one end and feeling um, alive, energetic. Um, mm -hmm. in, uh, flourishing. What, flourishing, self-actualized mm -hmm. on the other end. Yes. But kind of in the middle, uh, we don't talk much about that. So mm -hmm. the middle child languishing. Um, yep. Yeah. The middle okay. Middle child of mental health. I hmm. um, thought that was an interesting way to put that. Of course, I'm not a psychologist. I am strictly a lay person reading psychology. Um, but I understand from a pastoral care standpoint and, and self-care, really, which is something that I tend to spend um, a good bit of time researching on self-care, because not just for myself, but for people that I'm involved with in coaching and, um, and spiritual direction. But this whole thing of um, just kind of languishing in between being really depressed or really flourishing and it has been even, these terms have been tied to post-traumatic stress um, syndrome in some people, the, that the trauma of what we've lost and the adaptations that we've had to make have really added to a little bit of a trauma in a lot of people's lives. So it's not just something to sort of write on the blackboard and move on, I think is something that really is informative about the mood that so many people find themselves in. And when you think about it, there is not a person on the face of the earth that has not been affected some way by the pandemic. Maybe they haven't been sick, but they've been affected by supply chains, lack of employees, lack of employment. You know, it's just so many ways that we've been affected. So it's really a global, a global thing. What do you imagine that the languishing, the malaise would look like for, well, for pastors? That's who's listening in, right? Yeah. Mostly clergy and pastors. <laughs> How does that look? Well, malaise is an interesting term, too. And I read another article that referred to a global malaise. And this was back at the end of last year when I read that article. In fact, in one of my final sermons, I actually referenced it, um, the global malaise that we're feeling. And a, a malaise is really sort of an unidentifiable discomfort. Uh -huh. It's not a sharp pain or it's not a open wound. It's something that's just not quite right. And it's hard to identify that. And um, I think that the malaise and the languishing are things that we might all experience from time to time, but it seems that it's become sort of a way of life for, for a lot of people during this extended pandemic, which we're hoping is going away but it's not completely gone away. It's still here. I can imagine symptoms of malaise um, for a pastor might look like feeling spiritually dry, like not having much energy for putting a sermon together, mm -hmm. um, kind of going through the motions, right? Well, and you know, the thing that I think has been so stressful, even though we really rallied at the beginning of the pandemic. In fact, the first Sunday that we were out of church, we were going to be closed for one month. That was, I think a lot of people thought that. And on Saturday morning that week, I, th I woke up and I said, 
I've got to do something for my people. So my husband and I went to the church and he taped my cell phone onto an old music stand <laughs> and recorded me preaching to him. And we were able to get it on YouTube and Facebook by the next morning. And um, it was just, uh, it was just me, no music, no nothing. But by the next week, we had pretty much put it all together to get a full service recorded. But I think we really rallied to get um, worship out there to our people. And we did drive through communions right. and all this kind of thing. But now that we're back in church, all the people aren't coming back and they still want these recorded services. At least that's what I'm hearing that even though we're back in church, they still want it recorded, which means somebody's got to edit it. Somebody's got to post it, you know, so there, there are complications with that as well. Um, so I think pastors probably struggle as much as anything with things are just not what they used to be. And how do we adapt? Yeah, I had, had, had read some things about how the baseline level of stress and anxiety through the pandemic, uh, and really, I think just as it's evolved over recent years, uh, as mm -hmm. we've faced all sorts of uncertainty in the world, rising levels mm -hmm. of uncertainty, mm -hmm. that the baseline level of those things is, uh, would, would have been uh, grounds for hospitalization two, two generations ago. And oh, yeah. so we're just sort of living with a low level or a baseline level of stress and anxiety that, that really is punishing to our, our bodies mm -hmm. um, in, mm -hmm. in some way. And I think as pastors, when we, when we see people around us, um, even as we're struggling, we see people around us who are struggling and men, many of us, you know, turn our attention directly to meeting those needs, those mm -hmm. elevated needs in our congregations and, and communities. And, you know, then that kind of feeds into the cycle, right? Into the cycle of oh, our absolutely. own burnout and, and anxiety yeah. and stress. So what, what do you think are, uh, it, when you think about clergy self-care, especially in a pandemic world, uh, what, are, what are the major obstacles that you see for for pastors in terms of, of seeking or, or creating space for their own self-care? I felt sort of a need to catch up on pastoral care, I guess, about last summer when things were starting to loosen up because there had been over a year of no hospital visits, no nursing home visits. Funerals were mostly graveside. You know, there were, it was really hard to be together in community and so I felt this sort of frantic need to catch up on pastoral care, to touch base with people that I just hadn't had a chance to, to visit with. And of course, that is exhausting. You know, that can create exhausting. But I think pastors also worry about budgets. If people aren't coming to church and they aren't giving, um, that can certainly be a negative thing. And um, I think just energy level from having these feelings of malaise and languishing, it's just really difficult. And if you've ever experienced depression, I have, I'm sure most people have some sort of depression. When you deal with depression, my problem with depression was finding the energy to get up and move. And I wanted to move because I knew it would help. But generating the energy to get up and move was so difficult sometimes. And I think pastors feel that. Um, I just don't have the energy to go, and I want to. 
David, you mentioned the word burnout kind of in passing. Um, and I, I think there's probably a connection, but I don't think it would be the same thing, a malaise and, and a sense of burnout. I, I think you can, well, I think you can overcome both malaise and mm-hmm. burnout, but mm-hmm. what would you see as the difference if, if you do see a difference? Between malaise and burnout? Yeah. Burnout is one of the words that's thrown around with these other words as stress, you know, stress, burnout, malaise, um, languishing, overwhelmed, all of those words kind of get grouped together. My sense of burnout, and I don't know if you were asking me or David, um, but were you you asking David? Okay. (laughs) My sense of burnout is more of an overactivity, a wearing yourself out and just go, 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 setting maybe too high expectations for yourself and then just working like crazy to get to that point. That's sort of my interpretation of burnout. And I think we know it's coming. At least I've been in situations where I knew if I didn't back off, I was gonna sizzle somewhere. And um, malaise though, I believe is something that might creep up on us. It might be that one day of, I really don't wanna walk today. It's a beautiful day, but I just don't have the energy to go. Or it might be, I'm not going out with my friends tonight. I just, I'm just not up to it. Or I've got to write a sermon. And this Sunday morning, 4 a.m., what am I going to do? You know, I think malaise is something that sort of slinks in and creeps up on us. And we think, oh, something's not right. What's going on here? And burnout might inform that. I'm not really sure how all that works, but burnout might be um, something that informs that sense of malaise. I think they probably all work together in our psyches. There's good news I have found. Yeah, tell tell us the good news. (laughs) Well, there's this thing called flow. And flow is something that we don't do a lot of. But what flow is, is immersing yourself into something. It can be a hobby. It could be a movie. It could be playing with the kids in the afternoon. Anything that sort of allows you to just sort of drop any sense of time, of place, and self. And I'm sure you've had those experiences. I, I remember a movie I went to. It was a Denzel um, Washington movie. And it was just a great movie. And at the very end, the theater was full. And I was so, everybody was so engrossed in this movie that when the finale um, came up on the screen and he appeared, the whole theater burst out in cheers and clapping like we were in a live performance (laughs) or watching something live. So that was an excellent example of just totally losing yourself where there's no sense of time or place or self. And there's the, the reading that I've done lets us know that that is a way for us to kind of recharge, just to let everything go and to recharge. And it's hard to do just the letting go, um, like we heard about in Frozen, to force ourselves or to will ourselves to let go. But I think to experience a situation um, and just let get into the flow of something, 
that helps you to just let go and release, even for a few minutes, can be a really regenerating experience. So exercise could probably do that. You mentioned movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. What other, what what else? Arts, any kind of craft. Mm -hmm. Um, I think travel, hiking, going to the beach, spending an afternoon at the beach. If you're close to the coast, Um, we're two hours away. Mike and I have gone down to just walk on the beach and eat lunch from time to time. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a good break. And I cannot stress enough for people to take their time off. Yeah. I spoke with a pastor yesterday and I said, you know, I'm available for supply preaching if you need somebody to preach for you. And he said, I'm not very good about taking time off. (laughs) And I'm thinking, well, you'll probably be calling in about six months about burnouts. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think it's hard sometimes for people to leave and to take time off, but it is so important to do that. I think meditation, just silence and meditation is recharging, regenerative for us. You're already beginning to touch on some of some of these, but uh, I would maybe just invite you to go a little further with this, but uh, are there things that you see as habits or practices that could lead us toward that flow state or that could lead us toward a better rhythm of self-care? Uh, you know, maybe this is sort of you know, a, a, a rule of life for us or a, mm-hmm. a practice that happens over time or just habits that we set, boundaries that we create? Mm-hmm. Well, now that you've mentioned boundaries, that's another very important word. And uh, it seems like I've had a lot of conversation about boundaries uh, in ministry and in personal lives here lately and how hard it is to set those boundaries and stick to them, particularly in ministry. When you've planned a week off and there's a death or something happens and you feel like you need to come back. And I really encourage people to try to plan ahead on those things. When I was gone, of course, I was living in Tennessee for a long time and had family in South Carolina. So if I were in South Carolina on vacation, I always designated someone a clergy friend to take my pastoral care calls. And I let the church know that that person was available. I only had one situation in my ministry that um, I had an actual death and the family actually knew I was on vacation and waited till I got back. Um, They called and knew I was coming back on Friday and scheduled the service for Saturday. And I so appreciated that. That doesn't always happen, but I think taking that time off and setting some firm boundaries. Um, No technology on Mondays, no texting on Mondays, no email checking on or or any day. Those kind of things can sort of release us from being tied to those things that bind us. Step away from the news, keep people in your prayers, It's so hard right now to look at everything that's going in the world and not get caught up in it. It's that uh, my boat is so small, the ocean is so large. But I think we can be intentional about praying for others, but not immerse ourselves in the day-to-day news of it all. And, you know, um, the old adage of counting your blessings. I remember one Thanksgiving, I was having a pretty tough time and I was at my mother's house And I took this little piece of paper. 
It was one of those little notes that you hang on the, on the refrigerator to put your grocery list on, a little narrow strip. And I started counting my blessings and I wrote two columns on that little piece of paper on the front and the back. And then I went around the edges of the paper and added more. I still have that piece of paper because when I started listing the things that I actually had to be thankful for, I was almost embarrassed. Mm. And it wasn't money or wealth. It was like clean air and clean water and friendship and, you know, steps that didn't collapse when I went up. And I mean, you know, it's just so many things that we take for granted. So I think just counting blessings and being reminded of the things um, that we have to be thankful for is another way to to really put things in perspective. Yeah, thank you for that. And uh, thank you for that good reminder. I think, um, you know, self-care is something pastors seem to talk about when we get together, but I don't mm-hmm. know how many of us are good at practicing that very well. Um, so yeah. thank you for that reminder. And um, I imagine you'd be available for some self-care coaching if someone were to want to tap into that resource and help uh, find some help getting a, a rule of life or a practice or a habit. I would be glad to because I, I have seen both ends of that spectrum. I have seen the, um, the burnout overwhelm. And I've also seen the times where I was in a flow. Um, that I found very productive and very restful. So yes, I'd love to. Thank you. One of the things I was struck by when you were talking a few minutes ago was the the family who waited and didn't interrupt your vacation, yeah. even mm-hmm. even in a period of, of grief and uh, you know loss for them. Mm-hmm. And it 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 makes me realize that there are some gifts like that that we receive as pastors from our people, mm-hmm. and we ought to acknowledge those as gifts, right? Yes, absolutely. And that, that maybe that's one of the things that could most help pastors and, and, and help us help each other to take the time needed for self-care is, you know, some positive peer pressure uh, from one another that we Mm -hmm. could, could really uh, help one another to live into the healthy habits that we know we ought to be creating. And, mm-hmm. you know, if there are lay people who happen to be listening to this podcast or who, uh, who, um, are, are paying attention to their pastors and can give them a gift of, of support and encouragement, um, uh, the, the kind of create the space for them to be able to practice, uh, healthy self-care habits. I think that that would really be an amazing thing. You know, do you have any anything directly, uh, maybe a word of hope or a word of encouragement that you would want to send out to the pastors or other folks who might be listening in today? You know, I think we are in difficult times, but I don't believe it's a life sentence. I believe that the tide will turn. Um, I, I just have to believe that God is very aware and um even in these difficult times, you can see God working through the difficulty. So I would say to be hopeful and to know that in the midst of the chaos, God still works. And I think that is a thing that has given me hope for all of my years is knowing that God is in the chaos. Yeah, I think that's really great. I think in our own personal experience, or as we look at the revelation of God through scripture, uh, the mm-hmm. stories of God's presence in the wilderness. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> you know, I think there is a there's a hopeful word in that for us in the midst mm-hmm. of a, a a very uncertain 
uh, and volatile world. So mm -hmm. thank you for that. Thank you for that. Did we miss anything? Did we, did we let you teach us all the things you wanted to teach us? You know what? This has been so much fun. We just need to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah, well, that was pretty much everything I wanted to cover today. I thought it was timely. Um, and, you know, with this pandemic, the critical crisis of it sort of being behind us, but there's always this little nagging thing of what's going to happen next. And, um, you know, one day it'll be history hopefully, like polio and um, tuberculosis and those kind of things. Um, but for right now, I think it's really important to pay attention and to continue to take our mental health temperature and our spiritual health temperature to make sure that we're managing. So yeah, that was pretty much, y'all helped me cover that pretty well. Well, we're grateful for you being a part of the podcast and helping to kick off season four of Pastor Life. What a great way to start and what great wisdom to learn from you. And it just makes me excited for all of the things that Rhonda, that we're going to learn from our colleagues over the course of this season. That's right. And uh, thank you, Beth, so much for coming on the pod and kind of kicking off season four. Teach us something we don't know. And you certainly gave us some food for thought with, uh, with our mental health and self-care. So thank you for that, Beth. Sure. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, that's it for this first episode of season four of Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. You can find contact information for David or for me or for Beth, as well as session notes for this episode at pinlead.com. That's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com. And to the pastors who are listening in, thank you for what you do. Uh, we're recording this in the, the middle of the Lenten season, and I know you've got preaching on your mind, and you've got leading on your mind, and you're still dealing with COVID precautions and coming out of that. In the midst of all that, I'll leave you with something that my preaching professor from Divinity School used to say to us, preach preachers, we need the good news. <laughs>